every Arizona homeowner's best friend, and it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house, your weekend wake-up tradition. Farm living is the life for me. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, fourth Saturday of the month, 8 o'clock. Rosie on the House is our outdoor living hour. And on the fourth Saturday, we are joined by Farmer Greg of the Urban Farm. If you follow along in our home maintenance calendar, you can get by requesting one. Just let us know the address you'd like us to send it to. And we'll ship you your very own for free home maintenance calendar keep up with all the topics of the broadcast you can see in our uh, topic on the top fold of the calendar april 24th urban farming we are talking successful soil that is the key to growing all things whether we're talking vegetables whether we're talking uh, trees shrubs flowers the better the soil, the better the plant. And Farmer Greg, uh, we have covered it before. It's a huge amount of information. Uh, it's incredible. You have put a ton of work into your uh, healthy soil. Uh, what, what do you call this? Concoctions? I, I don't know that it's a recipe. You <laughs> well, you know, so we actually haven't touched this topic all by itself ever. Because when I had to, when I went to look through my old scripts, I didn't have this one. So I actually built this one for today. But the reason you think we've covered it before is because this is, I preach about this. This is the single most important thing that anybody can do to grow successful. Anything is to grow healthy soil. And so it's something that I thread in all of our stuff. So that's why it seems like we've covered it before is because I'm, constantly talking about it. we've gotten verses before but now we're getting the whole book on healthy there you soil. go absolutely well you said verses <laughs> so we get the whole song today okay <laughs> the whole song <laughs> yeah <laughs> well where do we start with healthy soil and i know i knew when i saw the title that uh we were going to start with this first fact that one percent of organic matter is in our desert soil and one percent is if you walk around the native desert soil as, and on the flats, you can see that that's really good at growing uh, creosote yep. and some scrub brush weeds. And maybe a few mesquites. And Once you get into the washes and the rocks and the hillside and this, you, you got a little bit more type of soil texture. You see the, the, the other bushes come along. But I mean, just like the basic flats. Yeah. Nothing but creosote. Right. And nothing but dirt. So we'll talk about the five components of healthy soil here in a little while. Uh, but that is, having 1% organic matter in our, in our soil is a problem to try and grow anything. And it drives me nuts when I'm driving around town. In fact, in my neighborhood, these people had this beautiful gravel landscape installed in their yard. And on the west side, so a western exposure is the hottest, hottest place. And they put in these beautiful selections of plants about two years ago, and they've all died. A western exposure with gravel and planted in dirt, you're setting yourself up for failure with something like that. And the biggest problem is that 
the organic matter is just missing from the soil. And that is a key component of, of the healthy soil. Take it away. How do we start correcting this, this error? So what, one of the things that I, and I, and I did, I had to do a little bit of research for today. And one of the things I looked at is the healthy soil profile. And the healthy soil profile is the different layers of soil. And the top soil is the top section. And then there's a subsoil, which is kind of a mix of topsoil and what they call parent material, which is your dirt. And uh, the bad news in the desert is we typically only ever have the parent material. Parent material is dirt, it's broken down rock. And um, trying to uh, trying to grow anything in that is, forget about it, you, good luck. It's just not gonna happen. Um, and so let's actually jump ahead a little bit because I wanna, before we get into why healthy soil, I wanna get into what healthy soil is and how do we build healthy soil. And there's five components of healthy soil. If you've listened to my show, if you've listened to me preach in the world, you have heard this over and over and over again. Preach on, Brother Greg. <laughs> Woohoo! Thank you. Uh, the five components of healthy soil are: you remember, Romy? You can. Do you remember any of these? Uh, dirt, airspace. Yep. Um, organic matter. Yes. All things living. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's four of them. And water. That's very good. (laughs) Absolutely. Good job, man. I'm doing my job then. So that's the way it goes. It's dirt, airspace, water, organic matter, and everything that's alive in the soil. So dirt. Dirt is broken down rock. It's high in micronutrients. But if that's all you have, the plants can't access those micronutrients. So, uh, and if you follow Elaine Ingham, she is an internationally known soil scientist. Uh, If you follow her, what she says is that if you have a nice balance of healthy soil with a good amount of organic matter and the life, you actually don't need to fertilize because that life and that healthy soil unlocks the nutrients that are in the dirt. And why, you, you know, you, you go up into the forest where, you know, what you'll, you know, it's, it's all, nothing up there is fertilized. Right. It, it's, and, it's its own growing, uh, sustainable environment. And that's what we're trying to create with our soils and the desert. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, dirt, broken down rock, airspace. So the soil needs to be fluffed. The soil needs to breathe a little bit. Uh, and I have a, there's a really simple fix for all of this that we'll get to in a little while. Water, so the super dry soil isn't alive, so you're not going to be able to grow much in it. Organic matter and everything that's alive in the soil. So let's talk about organic matter. And the fix to broken dirt is add lots and lots and lots of organic matter. Because with that organic matter comes life. And um, organic matter can be compost. You can make your own compost. It can be worm castings or worm poop. Um, It can be 
uh, Woody Mulch. In fact, I am a huge proponent. If you, if, if you do a garden consult with me, I do garden consults with people. If you do a garden consult with me and I see pictures of your yard and you have a dirt backyard, what I'm going to highly suggest that you do is that you add eight to 24 inches of woody mulch in that space. And what that, it does so many things for us. It keeps the dust down. At the interface between the dirt and the woody mulch, it starts building really healthy soil. Uh, it holds on to water. And um, over time, what happens to that woody mulch is it breaks down into an amazing soil. Now, and, go ahead. If you're trying to plant one specific tree or one, you know, little row garden, uh, a container garden, whatever the case may be, I would strongly suggest just going and buying that organic matter uh, yes. that's sacked. It takes so much material to, uh, you know, when you buy it, it's in three cubic, uh, three cubic bags, you know, yeah, or fifty pound really. bags. Yeah, exactly. The amount of material it took to make three cubic feet of, <laughs> of compost, I don't even know. But it's, it's huge. It's huge. And yeah. the, the timing on that process is so long. If you're looking to start now, you know, it's a few bucks a bag. Just go get a high-quality compost to get started. And then as you collect leaf drop, as you collect uh, table scraps, composting material, you can build it from there. But trying to start off building your own compost before you get started uh you, you may never even get going <laughs> well yeah exactly and well, here's a really curious tidbit i've been here at the urban farm for 32 years now and about four years ago i started collecting buckets of food waste from a local restaurant and it wasn't until then that i was able to actually produce enough compost for the property here they're giving me 10 five gallon buckets a week of food scraps and this is you know lettuce and tomato ends and that kind of stuff and tea fines and that that kind of stuff and it took getting that kind of input to be able to create my own steady stream of compost and it's not an easy process so if you're going to make your own compost and if all you have is kitchen scraps, I would highly, highly suggest that you go to Arizona Worm Farm and take one of their worm composting classes, which comes with a worm bin, and just put your kitchen scraps in the worm bin and have the use the worm poop in your garden. That is going to be your, your, your solution there. And where is Arizona Worm Casting? Arizona Worm Farm. Worm Farm, I'm sorry. Yeah. To get worm uh, castings. Yeah, Arizona. Which is a worm fancy farm. worm for poop. Exactly. <laughs> You're going to get worm, worm poop. poop. <laughs> You're going to get worm poop, exactly. ArizonaWormFarm.com. They're at uh, Zach and Clark and the crew over there. They're amazing at what they do. And they're at 19th Avenue and Southern. Excellent. Over in that neighborhood. Yeah, they they've got a what what they're doing is revolutionary here in the valley, and so the, and you can get uh, well. I'll talk more about that in the in the fourth segment. But um, okay, well, and yeah. we will get uh, right back to segment two. We can do a lot of things here at Rosie on the house, but we can't stop the clock. 
It is the fourth out, fourth Saturday of the month. We are with Farmer Greg in the Urban Farm, helping to encourage and inspire you to grow your own. Woo! Continuing our conversation with Farmer Greg about successful soil, the key for a successful garden or landscape, we, 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 we left everyone hanging on with worm <laughs> poop. Where are we going to go from there? <laughs> there you go. Well, first of all, I want to jump into uh, why healthy soil. Um, healthy soil holds onto water like a sponge. And uh, I have been working on the soil here at the Urban Farm for 32 years. And in my front yard, I have some garden beds. Uh, I grow a lot of groceries in our front yard here at the Urban Farm. And one of my garden beds is at least 25 years old. And remember earlier in our conversation, I talked about the different layers. We have the topsoil, the subsoil, and then the parent material. And what I do every year here at the Urban Farm is I add a couple of inches of compost right on top of the garden beds. And I have flood irrigation here. So what happened over a cor the course of a couple of decades was those garden beds, I added compost every year, and those garden beds got above the flood irrigation. I want the flood irrigation on my garden. So about six or seven years ago, I went digging in that garden bed to see uh, how deep the topsoil was, number one. And number two, I needed to lower that bed. So I needed to get down to the parent material. So over the course of 25 years, what I've done in that garden bed is I, I've, by adding two inches of compost a year to it, I have built a topsoil that's about 18 inches. I had to go down 24 inches to get down to the parent material. And that's, and I don't till the garden beds. So that's just me adding compost on the garden bed every year and letting things grow. And it's it's amazing how that works. So that's health, That's the healthy soil and how thick it is in my front yard. Um, and it took 25 years. Well, that's what's happened over the course of the past 25 years with me just adding a couple of inches of compost every year. Uh, and, you know, if you go out and dig in your yard, it's likely you're gonna be hitting dirt right off, which was what they call parent material. Um, but the other thing healthy soil does is it holds a massive, massive amount of life. And there are studies that they've done that have found that the more life in your soil, and we're gonna talk in a minute here about what life means in your soil, but the more life in your soil, the healthier the soil is, the healthier the plants are, and the healthier the food and the more tasty the food is going to be. There is something called a BRICS, B-R-I-X meter. Have you ever heard of it? No. They use it in wine. And what it's doing is it's measuring the, the nutrient density or the, the sweetness of, of grapes in the, in, in the worm business or in the wine business and in food. And the higher the bricks rating, the higher the nutrient density of the food. And so what they found is, is that the more life that's in the soil, the healthier the soil is, the higher the bricks rating is. 
And so a few years ago, um, a friend of mine came by and I grabbed some navel oranges off of my front hedge and I gave them to her. And she took them home and literally 10 minutes later, she called me and she said, oh my gosh, Greg, these are amazing tasting. What are they? I said, those are Karakara navels. And she said, these can't be Karakara navels because they don't taste like the Karakara navels I get in the grocery store. Boom, boom. <laughs> it's and I, the soil, the, the difference in the soil it's grown from one orchard to the exactly. next. Exactly. Exactly. So I have spent the last 30 plus years here at the urban farm building healthy soil. And, um, and that's the difference it makes. The food pops when you pop it in your mouth. It's just, it, it's toe tingling when you eat a peach or a navel orange because they're so incredibly tasty. So let's talk about everything that's alive in the soil from the large things to the small things. And when I talk everything that's alive, it could be gophers or moles. And people, you know, people are automatically going to say, oh my God, gophers and moles. I mean, that's a problem. Well, it could be a problem. And there's ways to work about most of those. But gophers and moles are larger critters that are helping with one of the five components of healthy soil. If you get a gopher Air or a mole, space. exactly. Stirring up the dirt. That's right. As, as well as ants, grubs, snails, beetles, insect larvae, those are all things that are digging down in healthy soil that are helping aerate it, plus a bunch of them poop. <laughs> and a lot of the poops from a lot of these animals add nutrition to the soil. Your own castings, <laughs> your own exactly. casting farm. So, you know, I get this a lot. People say to me, oh my gosh, you know, I got ants. How do I kill them? Well, first of all, do you really want to kill them? Because they could be doing something beneficial. Plus, ants are pollinators. Ants can help you get things pollinated in your garden, believe it or not. Huh. I had, I had not heard that before. Very interesting. Right? Well, there is the music bed. So that indicates bottom of the hour news. Uh, we've got to stop for a quick break. Local traffic and weather. We'll be back continuing our conversation about uh, everything that's alive in the soil on our successful soil broadcast this Saturday morning with Farmer Greg of the Urban You know, we often say the best parts of Rosie on the House happen during the breaks when we're resetting for the next one. And, of course, Louisiana <laughs> right? boy in the other room uh, <laughs> strongly disagreed with Farmer Greg about ants. Just one species. Because uh, right. y'all got some fire ants down there in the bayou. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, we got them here, too. Yeah, I, I know we have them in the desert. Also, there's some black ants that kind of bite, too, as well. Bite, yeah. Got, yeah. But, yeah, so... Uh, you know, and, and usually what I tell people about ants, if they're somewhere not bothering you, leave them alone. Um, you know, if they're bothering you, you're going to have to, uh, you know, address them. And when I say bothering you, I mean biting your legs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, they're exactly. just, if they're just out there, they're helping you in the landscape. One of the things, and I hate to say this because, you know, I don't like killing anything in my landscape, but one of the things that I'll do is I'll, uh, uh, I'll take a pitchfork and I'll, dig up the anthill a little bit and then I 
Oh, I hate to say this. I go and get some <laughs> boiling water and I just dump it on them. That's your ant remedy at the time you do need to remove yeah. the nest? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's not a great thing, but it handles it. And I don't have to do it very often. But if you have biting ants in your yard, that's the solution I've found that works best. When I bought my first house in Louisiana, I had a serious uh, red ant problem. I mean, mm. that that mound was huge and it was close to a pear tree, which was producing. So um, uh, hot water it didn't do the trick. But a little gasoline. <laughs> oh, ouch. Yeah. I'm not even going there. Oh, that's the only thing I could do but with it. But uh, but what was amazing is, you know, when you look at an ant pile, you see how tall it is. Think about oh, yeah. how deep it is. Oh, yeah. And this one was deep. I just kept shoveling, and it kept reigniting the fuel and fuel. And next thing I know, oh, I had a hole God. in the yard. You seriously lit them on fire, huh? Yeah. Yeah, oh my mess with them. you only have to step Be on careful. a fire ant uh, nest once in yeah. Louisiana. <laughs> that, that That's a one-time-ever mistake. You never do that uh, one twice. I do got to say, though, be careful with your when you're playing with fire. There, there you go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> so a little side detour from our conversation that uh, <laughs> we were talking living things. Uh, we were talking about uh, things that dig up. And create the airspace. Oh, yeah. Water is yeah. also key. And, you know, water is a growing concern with everybody. And, you know, water, yeah. especially for a garden, you know, you don't need a big water source. And you can uh, repurpose water if you've got oh, a yeah. uh, gray water system for laundry or your dishwasher. Which is gray water is legal in the state of Arizona. So and you probably produce enough to water your own uh, own small little vegetable garden. Yeah. Well, actually, for gray water, I'd stay away from uh, watering my vegetables. But with gray water, you can actually water trees, okay. trees and landscape plants. Yeah, I do know some people that use that for gardening, and they're using, you know, handmade organic soaps and uh, right. stuff like that. No detergents. So yeah, you do have to be a little careful there. Um, but yeah, use it for your trees. That's a safe to bet. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, other things that are alive in the soil. Mushrooms. I get this question all the time. Oh my gosh, I have mushrooms growing in my yard. How do I kill them? Here's the thing. If you have mushrooms growing in your yard, that's the bonus round. That's one of the best things to have growing in your yard is mushrooms. So if you explain that to me, yeah, elaborate that. Mushrooms are fungi and they, they kind of, so um, according to, and I found this study online, S.A. Waxman, a microbiologist, in, one, in just one teaspoon of fertile soil, you can find 50 nematodes, 62,000 algae, this is the live things, 72,000 amoeba, um, over th- almost 3 million actinomites, whatever they are, and... <laughs> Uh, 20 over 25 million bacteria plus bunches of mushrooms and mushrooms is the fungi that kind and what mushrooms do along with a lot of these other things that are alive they actually can attach and work in conjunction with the roots of the plants to make the plants more uh, resilient so that they can reach further out and um, collect the nutrients out of the soil. In fact, there's 
beneficial things going on that's actually with a lot of these things that's actually um, reaching out to this dirt hence what we talked about earlier that you don't have to fertilize all of these life things that are alive are reaching out to the dirt and breaking it down and making those nutrients available for the plants to uptake now how long do you think it took this microbiologist to pick out mm-hmm. 50 nematodes and a tea and a quarter teaspoon of soil from <laughs> right? 25 million bacteria <laughs> yeah gosh knows what, what kind of microscope lens are you using for that right well, you know, you got to admire somebody for that kind of tenacity, right? Oh, man, that, these numbers are staggering. Right. Absolutely. And one of the thi- one of the biggest things that you can do to negatively impact healthy soil is water your garden with chlorinated water. Because why is there chlorine in the water? To kill bacteria, to keep exactly. it safe for drinking. Exactly. So, and I know you guys have on Rosie on the House, I know you guys have a couple of really great uh, companies that help take chlorine out of the water, right? They do. There's uh, a number of them, water treatment specialists, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so you need to figure out how to put some kind of dechlorination system on your house. Uh, and so make sure you do that because you shouldn't be showering in chlorinated water. You shouldn't be drinking chlorinated water. And you absolutely shouldn't be gar- watering your garden with chlorinated water. In fact, recently I had something really exciting happen. I needed to have my uh, RO unit replaced here at the urban farm. And, you know, it. and I have to admit, Romy, it took me a couple of years to get this. But... It is so important if you have, and this is me preaching. You guys didn't set me up on this. This is me preaching. If you have something that's going on in your home, your castle, or cabin. Did I say that right? You did. Yeah, very good. Go to rosieonthehouse.com because those guys and gals that you guys certify, they're amazing. I've had so many incredible experiences but it took me a couple of years to think, oh my gosh, I got something going on at the house. And I automatically go to Romy, or Romy, go to Romy, go to Rosie on the house to find them. So I just had to do a shout out for that because I've had so many great experiences with your certified people, man. Well, They're thank great. you. It's uh, It's been, what are we on now? 33 years in the making. So we right? just, we work every day to make that the one-stop shop for all your homeowner <laughs> needs, whether you're doing it yourself Looking for the right information or looking for the right professional? Yeah. Rosieonthehouse.com. One-stop shop, baby, for home castle or cabin. Thank you, Farmer Greg. Absolutely. And I didn't get paid for that. <laughs> so the other Checks thing. In the mail. Checks in the mail. <laughs> there you go. You want to take the chlorine out. The second thing you want to do is you don't want to use chemical anything. I have been organic here at the urban farm for 32 years. And people say, well, what about the bugs? I don't have a bug problem. Are there bugs here? Yeah. But go chemical free. That is so incredibly important um, for the health of your soil. So there you go. That is really it. Five components of healthy soil, dirt, airspace, water, organic matter, and everything that's alive in the soil. And your solution, the way that you fix dirt is add lots and lots and lots of organic matter. And there are ways to do that affordable. We've talked about chip drop before. Yep. Chipdrop.com will deliver 20 to 30 cubic yards of woody mulch to 
your driveway. And basically what they're doing is they're coordinating with tree services so that the tree service doesn't have to dump it in a landfill. So that's a great place to get woody mulch in bulk for essentially free. Less stress pay- on the landfill. Yep, exactly. Free to you. Yep. You just have to wait till there's an arborist that signed up with chip drop to be in your area with that, uh, with all that chipped wood. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then and you know, a we space met- to put it. And 30 space, yards exactly. of material is going to take up a little bit of space. Yes. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to get a chip drop, know that you're getting 20 to 30 cubic yards. That is a pile eight feet wide, six feet tall, 20 feet long. And you know what? I've seen a lot of people starting to use that for in uh, horse areas. They will use oh, that yeah. for stalls and around yep. staging areas where you saddle instead of uh, just the dirt. Like you said, it's a yep. great tool for keeping the dust down and when it rains and that gets saturated you know that that moisture and the chips and the the shredded wood you know just does that much more for your dust control around you know equestrian activities i was gonna say wait it rains here (laughs) it does (laughs) hopefully gary said to me that they're calling for a heavy monsoon season this year which we so need the weather services is saying that yeah and they're holding to it so far I got my fingers crossed. That so. is the most the, the most unusual thing I have ever seen was people complaining about rain in Arizona. I was walking oh gosh, into really? a parking lot and it was two people and they're and it wasn't even raining hard. It was like drizzling and they're complaining, "We didn't move to Arizona for the rain." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, wait 10 <laughs> minutes then and then walk right. to your car." Jeez. Exactly. Any rain's good rain. <laughs> exactly. Rain so, is a good thing. Chip drop is a great place to get um, things. Arizona Worm Farm has worm castings. They have compost. They have planting mix. They also have woody mulch that they will deliver to you. So that's a great place for it. And then we sell uh, Farmer Greg's planting mix through Tanks. Tanks Green Stuff is down in Tucson, and they sell compost and. The Summer Winds carries their tanks compost and Farmer Greg's planting mix, as does Barry's uh, True Value on 12th Street and Northern. And talk about tanks for a second, because that is an incredible soil. And again, nothing we're getting paid for. We've been watching this company uh, as they've developed over the last 12 to 15 years. Uh, A great concept started in Tucson and has really branched out. And and, and when, when you hear it, you're like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Something like that should be successful. Oh, yeah. Well, basically what they're doing is they're taking green waste and food waste and composting it and turning it into this great, great soil. And they're local down in Tucson. And um, so they're intercepting the green waste from restaurants uh, before it gets to garbage and dumps. Yeah, I don't know how much they're getting from restaurants. Uh, uh, They're intercepting for sure the tree green waste. You know, the chipped wood and that kind of stuff. And then like the produce that doesn't sell at grocery stores, instead of it getting thrown out, you know, they they do a great job collecting those things. Perfect. And they're turning it Uh-oh. into local compost. And here's the thing. Local compost, uh, I would never go to a big box store and buy a bag of compost from someplace else. You want to make sure that you're getting local compost. Uh, Arizona Worm Farm, Tanks Green Stuff, they both make a great local compost. And the reason you want local compost is because it's got local microbes in it. 
the microbes coming from Minnesota or mm-hmm. wherever it's being, you know, being shipped in from is for that area. We have the local local microbes here that is going to be much more important for your garden. Great tip. And we've got one final segment with Farmer Greg right after this. It's Rosie on the house. Down to our final segment here with Farmer Greg on this beautiful Saturday morning. As we were in the break, we were doing a little research, and I combined two companies, Tanks Green Stuff and the guys that collect food waste from restaurants and grocery That's stores. Recycle City here in town. Recycle City? Yes. Got it. So, But, again, there's there's yet another resource for local companies. Oh, I know. Exactly. Recycle City, they're rock stars. JD is the founder of it, and basically what they're doing is they're setting out separate buckets at restaurants and at home, so you can actually have them pick up your food scraps from you at your home, and they'll take it and compost it. They have a whole system set up for that, so check out RecycledCity.com. They're amazing at what they do. All these resources will be available at RosieOnTheHouse.com and today's radio broadcast uh, archive page. Just click on Homeowner Resources, select radio, today's broadcast, and each one of our hours is broken down into their four segments with the resources talked about, uh, you know, written out, spelled out, linked automatically right there for you. So we need to talk about the difference, Farmer Greg, between mulch and and compost, and compost so we understand and are properly yeah. using those in their respective forms. Yeah. So be very careful when you're dealing with somebody that is selling, giving away compost or what they're calling compost, there is a very big distinction between compost and mulch. Mulch is not completely broken down. And the uh, our, our beloved city of Phoenix was uh, giving away what they called composted mulch, but it was mostly mulch and if you use a composted mulch or a, a a material that is mulch in your garden, it can and will kill your garden because that mulch, when it's breaking down, it swipes no, nitrogen from the soil so that the plants can't grow. So the way you tell the difference between something that's fully composted, like compost and mulch, is grab a handful of it. And if there's more than about 5 or 10%, of things that you recognize that doesn't look like compost, like <laughs> sticks and leaves and that kind of stuff. There's more than, I usually only go about 8%. If there's only, if there's more than 8% of that, that is mulch. You do not want to put that directly in your garden. Mulch is for basins around your trees, for uh, covering up dust in your yard, for building soil long-term. Compost is what you want to put in your garden. So there's the difference. No more than 8% of recognizable material. That's not exactly that's not broken down. And there's also all kinds of planting mixes. Farmer Greg's planting mix that we sell uh, is a nice mixture of compost and worm castings and uh, uh, um, vermiculite. There, yeah, there we go. So planting mix is fine for gardens, but mulch, you never want to put mulch in your garden soil. Now, on your garden hacks, you've got a few items here, and the most, the one that stands out the most to me is uh, let the weeds arrive. Last Saturday, we were yeah. talking about all the ways to combat <laughs> <Yeah>. weeds. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's flip so, the script. <laughs> right, exactly. So, weeds are pioneer species. They they show up first, and they do the heavy digging for you, and you know, like a mallow. You know, especially when the rains arrive here in the next few few months, 
we're going to see mallow around town that could easily be six feet tall. And if you were able to extricate that mallow out of the ground, you would find a two inch diameter root on it that goes down three to six feet. So what happens with that is if you cut it off just below the ground, they call that the apical meristem, the growing point of it. If you cut off the growing point, what you've done is you have left a root in the ground that will rot and leave compost right in the soil. So I'm a big fan of not letting the weeds take over my garden, and the, they kind of do this time of year because there's so many of them, but letting them arrive and cutting them off, they're high in micronutrients because they're doing the harvesting of those nutrients out of the soil. And they make a great additive for your compost bin if you're composting, or if you've got chickens, they're great for chicken feed. So, um, And goats will eat the heck out of it too. Oh, yeah. Oh, goats and I'll bet you horses will like some of the weeds too. You know, I even see uh, dogs eating mallow. My dogs yeah, eat uh, it. My horses eat it. The Every yeah. animal eats it. And like you said, it, it grows very well after any rain. You know, there's some areas I don't want to let the goats get to because they strip the bark off your trees. And yeah, you know, the, if they can, they'll eat everything else you don't want them to eat before they get around to the weeds. So there's certain areas they don't get. But I have a, a old-fashioned sickle that works great for just oh, slicing yes. it off. Yeah. You know, it doesn't get right down to the surface. But after a little bit of practice, I mean, you're only leaving – a uh, quarter inch or less on top yeah. uh, if, if you're trying to cut it off a of flat ground. Well, and here's the thing about uh, like weeds like mallow, you actually have to go below the ground because if you, if you cut it off a half inch above the ground, it's going to grow back. But if you cut off the what they call the apical meristem or the growing point, that kills it. So if you want them to come back, then, you know, the sickle's great. If you want them not to come back, you go, you know, like a quarter inch below the ground. And there are areas I don't mind it growing back through the wash that right. is just kind of a, a replenished source of food for yeah. the, the smaller animals. But, hey, uh, you have a URL for this hack, your garden hacks here. I do. So if you want to know about sheet mulching or Perry's Instant Garden or Jan's Instant Garden, all those are stories that I share. Uh, if you go to Healthy Soil Hacked, that's H-A-C-K-E-D, hacked.com. Uh, you'll find videos on that stuff and learn how to grow healthy soil. Farmer Greg, hey, your website before we wrap up real quick. Urbanfarm.org and awesome being here. Thank you so much. We look forward to our conversation in May, talking preserving your harvest. Woo-hoo. Beautiful. There we go.